This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Gautam Adani, India's richest man, began selling $2.4 billion worth of shares in Adani Enterprises, his sprawling conglomerate, despite an attack by a short seller. Hindenburg Research accuses the wider Adani group of dodgy accounting practices that it says artificially inflated the share price, a charge the group vigorously denies. The mud seemed to be sticking. Adani Enterprises' share price dropped by 17% on Friday. Adani total gases sank by 20%. Palestinian militants fired two rockets towards Israel from Gaza, both of which were intercepted by air defences, before Israel launched retaliatory strikes. Earlier, Israeli troops killed 10 Palestinians and wounded others during a military raid on Janin refugee camp in the occupied West Bank. Israeli forces said they were targeting Islamic militants. It is the deadliest such incident in years. South Korea's National Pension Fund will run out by 2055, two years earlier than expected, according to an official forecast. The service, which is the world's third largest, had 915 trillion won, equivalent to $743.1 billion, of funds at the end of October. South Korea's president, Yoon Suk-yeol, had promised sweeping pension reforms to counter the effects of a shrinking population and low economic growth. Five former police officers in Memphis were charged with murdering Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old black man. Mr Nichols died on January 10th from injuries sustained after a traffic stop turned violent. Body camera footage to be released on Friday is said to show an appalling attack carried out by the officers, all of whom are black. They were fired earlier this month. Britain's Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, outlined his long-term plan to boost economic growth. He said the government will delay tax cuts until it has curbed inflation, which ran at 9.2% in December. Britain's government faces criticism for overseeing soaring living costs and industrial sluggishness, including a collapse in British car making. Mr Hunt rejected declinism and said Britain could become the next Silicon Valley. Saifullo Saipov, an Islamist extremist who killed eight people when he drove a truck onto a Manhattan bike path in 2017, was convicted of 28 federal charges. He could face the death penalty, a rare consideration in New York. America's Attorney General issued a moratorium on federal executions in 2021, but allowed prosecutors to seek the death penalty in this case. Hasbro, an American toy maker, said it would axe around 15% of its workforce, about 1,000 staff. Demand for its consumer products, which include Dungeons & Dragons and Peppa Pig, slumped over the holiday period, even as its gaming division grew. The firm reported preliminary sales of $5.9 billion in 2022, down by 9% compared with the year before. And fact of the day. 775,014. 
the number of cars that emerged from British factories in 2022. The worst year since 1956. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Disney marks its centenary. The happiest place on Earth will be even jollier on Friday, as celebrations begin at Disneyland for the company's 100th birthday. Disney's first century has been a triumph. Today, the studio rules the worldwide box office. It has more streaming subscriptions than any of its competitors, and its theme parks are once again bustling now lockdowns have been lifted. But its boardroom is less cheery. Fewer people watch films in the cinema, and cable TV, Disney's main source of profit, is being replaced by streaming. Plus, despite all those subscribers to its streaming service, Disney is losing more than $1 billion a quarter. In November, the company fired its chief executive. His replacement, Bob Iger, now faces a challenge from Nelson Peltz, an activist investor who wants a board seat. Mr. Iger, who previously ran Disney from 2005 to 2020, has been given two years to steady the ship and find a successor. Disney's second century is starting with a bumpy ride. A Modi documentary reverberates in India. In recent days, India's ruling Bhartiya Janta Party and its leader, Narendra Modi, have provided a textbook example of the Streisand effect. That occurs when attempts to suppress something, in this case a controversial documentary, draw more attention to it. When The Modi Question, a BBC production, aired last week, the BJP immediately dismissed it as a propaganda piece for its account of the riots that killed more than 1,000 people, mainly Muslims, in Gujarat when Mr. Modi was the state's chief minister in 2002. The Hindu Nationalist Party then invoked an emergency law to ban the video on the Internet. Twitter and YouTube have complied by taking down videos, but clips continue to proliferate on social media channels. Activists and students have planned more screenings, even though some have been arrested. Media watchdogs have condemned the BJP's heavy-handed response, which raises more questions about the commitment to democracy of the party and its leader. The Race for the Republican Party Executive Some old-fashioned politicking is underway at the lavish waterfront Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Dana Point, California. On Friday, the Republican National Committee will choose its chair, who is responsible for fundraising and party messaging. For the first time since 2013, the race is contested. The incumbent of three two-year terms, Ronna McDaniel, is facing a stiff challenge from Harmeet Dillon, a conservative lawyer. Miss McDaniel will probably win, but the contest has emboldened her detractors. Mike Lindell, a conspiracy theory-oriented businessman who is also running, has counted the failures of her leadership. The 2018 midterm elections, when Republicans lost the House of Representatives, the 2020 presidential election, the 2022 midterms, and two runoff Senate races. 
Miss McDaniel's ties to Donald Trump have alienated never-Trumpers, while more insurgent types are calling for an organizational overhaul. But at a moment when the word Republican frequently precedes division, her message of unity and certainty may prove sufficient to get her over the line. Fighting Femicides in Spain On Friday, Spanish government officials will meet domestic violence experts to discuss a worrying increase in femicides, murders of women because of their sex. There have been six in January, as well as the killing of an eight-year-old girl following 11 in December. Since records began in 2003, the annual average has been 59. The government is reportedly considering allowing authorities to inform abused women if their partners have previous convictions for violent crimes. The country has made strides to protect women since 2016 when a court ruled that a woman's lack of physical resistance to the five men who raped her meant that the crime was not violent and therefore merely sexual abuse. The Supreme Court later found the men guilty of rape. In 2020, the country recorded proportionately fewer cases of femicide than several of its neighbors, including France and Germany. And unlike other countries, Spain counts any murder of a woman by a man, where gender is deemed to have played a role, as femicide. The 1619 Project Sparks More Debate The culture wars are coming to Hulu. In 2019, the New York Times magazine released a controversial set of essays that put slavery and the black American experience at the center of the country's founding and development. The 1619 Project divided opinion. It won a Pulitzer Prize for commentary in 2020 while being denounced by some historians for factual inaccuracies. Several school districts, such as Chicago, embraced it as curriculum for pupils. Elsewhere, whole states, such as Florida, have banned it, favoring more traditional views of American history. Now the controversy will be streamed in a six-part series produced by Oprah Winfrey and Nicole Hannah-Jones, the project's creator, among others. Each episode adapts an essay from the collection to show how slavery impacts the present day. So far, reviews have been mixed. Some praise it as innovative, others say it falls short of some more original documentaries about the black experience. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. Which Italian ski resort was the site of the 1956 Winter Olympics? Thursday. Which zodiac sign covers those people born between April 20th and May 20th? The winners of last week's crossword. 
Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners chosen at random were Chiao Chen Shu, Chiba, Japan, Ramon Aspurua Nunez, Caracas, Venezuela, Denise Diaz, Madrid, Spain. They all gave the correct answers of Development, Disney, OSINT, and Turkey. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Paula Rego. Art is the only place you can do what you like. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.